Welcome to the Seven Figure Fundraising Podcast, the podcast where we discuss specific tactics and strategies to grow your nonprofit. I'm your host, Trevor Bragdon. Today, we're going to continue our special series on fundraising during times of uncertainty. With everything that's going on, we're turning to leaders who have been here before, been in the different shocks and different uncertainties of the last 20 to 30 years, and looking for advice on what they learned during these times and what we can do today. Today's guest is Kelly Shackelford. Kelly is the president and CEO of the First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the largest legal firm in the nation dedicated exclusively to protecting religious freedom for all Americans. He served in this role since 1997, leading First Liberty's effort to defend religious freedom in the courts and public arena. Under his leadership, First Liberty's legal team has participated in cases before the United States Supreme Court, federal courts of appeals, federal district courts, and various state courts, where they have won more than 90% of their cases. This is Kelly's second time on the podcast, and you can learn more about First Liberty and the work Kelly does fundraising on episode four of the podcast. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Happy to do it. I really appreciate you taking the time during this very busy season right now with everything shifting around. But one of the things I think you can give us that a lot of the younger nonprofit leaders or people new to the industry don't have which is years of experience going through these sort of economic or world events and shocks. And you've been leading First Liberty since 1997 and then been in the fundraising world for over 30 years. I'd like to just talk with you about what it's like fundraising during these big events. So you've been through the dot-com bust, 9-11, the Great Recession. And given that experience, what's the number one thing you think nonprofit leaders should be doing right now with everything that's going on? I really think the key is just consistency and sincerity, being genuine. And that is that if you look back at, to some extent, what do you do during all these years when all these things hit? And really, we were just consistent. People want you to be consistent. And I think also, this is a different time. Like one of the things we did is sat down with our different divisions and really challenged everybody to innovate. Look, things are going to be different for the next two months. Think outside the box. There might be new opportunities. I could tell you about a a great podcast that I I talked to the whole staff about that uh, really challenged us on this. Everybody's sort of doing that. So as you think outside the box, maybe you come up with some new ideas, but that doesn't mean you, you change how you talk to people or how you treat your donors. And I just think... I mentioned this to you before we started the call, but I'm getting emails every five minutes from hotels I hadn't stayed in in 10 years telling me how much they care about me. It doesn't ring true to me. (laughs) So we want to make sure that we talk to our donors that we're genuine with them. Of course, that starts with you need to care about your donors. If you don't, then that's not going to come through because you don't have it. But we do. And we just communicated with them. We worked on this for a few days this morning and have gotten a tremendous response, including many of them say this is different from anything else they've received and how much they appreciate it. And I think it's just because we're being genuine and we do appreciate them. And we do want to know if if there's something we can pray for them for right now. And, And some of these people, I mean, I've got one of my major donors that 
just reached out to us that he's over 80 and, and he's in, in quarantine because he tested positive oh, wow. for the virus, which is a huge danger for him and his wife is quarantined with him. We care about that. I would just say being genuine and being consistent is, is number one. And just to follow up on that, do you mind sharing kind of that email you just referred to? Like, how did you go about structuring that? And like, without sharing, obviously, the details, but what were you thinking about you wanted to inform your donors as you sent that out? We brainstormed a little bit about making sure we had the right tone, that we sort of tried to get the heart of how we felt. And and it was, number one, being sincere, because we were all getting those emails that really weren't totally sincere and honest. We wanted to be honest and we wanted to express that there was a lot of craziness and panic and fear. And we tried to say, we don't think this is a time for panic and fear. We think this is a time for unity and for us to all pull together. And we said, while we can't pull together physically right now because of the six feet and everything else, we can do it in a lot of other ways, including spiritually. And we laid out examples for them of how churches and religious organizations were doing that very thing. While people were hoarding toilet paper, the church was giving out things. They were they were giving out disinfectant. They were going to places where people might not have meals if they were elderly. They were doing things. And we pointed out, this is what we're after. And we said, this is why we do what we do, fighting for religious freedom, is so religious groups can do what they do in these types of crises. And so we, we really pled with our supporters if we can do something for you, if we can pray for you, if we can help your church, if we can, we pointed out, we're doing stuff right now. we got a whole new page on our website to deal with the churches and religious organizations in this unique time and these, these orders that somewhat sometimes maybe restrict what they can do. And so we're having a conference call every Friday with all across the country to equip them so they can do what they do great. And so we laid it out that way, that it's a time to pull together. They're a part of our team, and that includes us pulling together behind them. We've gotten a ton of responses of people wanting prayer, of people encouraged by what they read and saying, this is what I love about this organization. And so I think the key to all that was being honest, being sincere, loving on our supporters who we do love, and pointing out that uh, there's still a lot to do, and and this is a time to be proud of a lot of things about America as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and it sounds like you're having dividends of years invested in these people and years of running a really good operation and having this meaningful connection with your donors is paying off because you're such a trusted voice now. Just a follow-up question. You mentioned that you met with your staff and you talked about the need to innovate and the podcast you found really helpful. Do you mind sharing what that was? We had come across a podcast that, and I'll try to do it very quickly, but it was a podcast about it was actually telling a story and the story was using to show the results of these studies. The studies said that sometimes obstacles come to you in your work. And the studies show that when those obstacles come, two things happen. Number one, you're required to focus much more intently and people typically do focus much more intently on how to get around the obstacle. And number two, they have to do things they've, they maybe have never done. And the story was about a famous jazz pianist who, one of the best in the world, who was asked to come to, I think it was Cologne, for a concert. Somebody was just trying to get things going there, and this pianist and the manager arrived, 
And instead of the piano that they had asked for with great specifications, because this is a perfectionist, they got a broken down piano, number of the keys didn't work, it was out of tune. And they looked at this and they analyzed it and they said, we can't perform a concert with this. And they left. And as they were leaving, the one who organized it was crying and begging them not to leave. And she finally convinced them to stay. And so they tried to tune the piano, which they did to the best of their ability. There are a number of keys which still didn't work. And they were like, they had it to be recorded. And they're like, do we still want to record this? And we're like, well, we've already paid for it. Let's just keep it recorded. Well, because of this, when the 1,500 people arrived, this pianist had to do things that he had never done before. For instance, he had to bang much louder on the piano because you couldn't hear it. He had to skip over these other keys and doing some different techniques that he had never done. And he had to play totally differently. That album is now the number one jazz album in the history of mankind as far as a jazz pianist album. And it was because he had been forced to try and do something different and to focus very intently at the same time. And our point was, you might find things that you've never imagined that will make you even better at what you're doing or at what we're doing. And so take the obstacle, not just as an obstacle, but as an opportunity to maybe see things more clearly, to do things differently, to try something new and maybe it'll be a thing that transforms us as an organization. And so that's what people are doing is they're analyzing their area and seeing what do we got to try because I've got obstacles now and we're going to have to do things differently. Wow. And it's such a different way of thinking because now you're thinking of possibilities versus times are terrible where you're thinking like almost with scarcity, that sort of framing. You're thinking of like all the possibilities, like maybe this would be the best time for growth, or maybe you'll do things that will transform your organization for time to come. That's such a great story. And with us, it's a, part of it, it's easier because we are a religious, we're a Christian organization. We believe in religious freedom for everyone and we fight for everyone. But as a result, we can trust in God. We just, we go with everything we've got and trying to do what we do, but then we trust. We don't know how all this is going to work out. My guess is some things will be good. Some things, you know, will go, well, we probably won't do that again. But we don't have any choice. One of our big fundraisers are our events. And we had three major events scheduled over the next five weeks. And we've had to move all of those to the fall. We're now trying to innovate by doing some online almost events. We're calling it a summit that's going to involve a lot of our supporters, major supporters coming on, maybe even some Q&A at the end. So we're we're having to do a lot of different things and we figure we're going to learn from the process and, and some of those things we're going to keep and it'll probably be really helpful in the future. Yeah. And that's such a good attitude to have about it, especially where a lot of people would be thinking, canceling these major events that what are we going to do? But instead you're saying now this is something we just need to move ahead with and we're probably going to have some good results with it. How are you thinking about doing online events? Because I know that's something that a lot of listeners have commented to us on where they've had things scheduled in March and April, they've had to shut down and they're exploring that possibility of doing something online. For us, it's really tough because to be honest, our events are one of the lifebloods. When people come to our events and, and the ones we have coming up were luncheons and those luncheons are pretty packed. We start at noon and we're out at one ten so that people are encouraged to come each year and they don't, they don't think it's going to destroy my work day. They get a free meal and, and all that in the process. Well, the thing that has been so great about these events is 
the energy that occurs when everybody comes together and they see what's happening in our mission and, and with our cases and with Supreme Court victories and all. I mean, they leave just on fire. And there's like a there's just a palpable energy, very positive energy that occurs with all those people coming together and sort of sharing together and what they're seeing. So to lose that. So that's why we didn't cancel our events. We moved them because <laughs> we, we want that to continue to occur. Well, that's really hard if you do it online. And so the only thing we know is we have experience in that a few years ago, we had a couple of events that we did just with our top donors. That was kind of like a call in, although you could do it on computer and we could show them charts and things and kind of show them a little bit of what had just happened with a major Supreme Court case and what that was going to mean. One of the others is when uh, Trump was elected, we talked about what that would mean. There were not huge numbers of people, but when we looked at who actually showed up on those calls or conference, I don't know what you'd call them. Like a webinar style? Oh, yeah, it was like conference webinar style. Yeah, it was really, really incredible because it was really some of our very top people. And it led to some significant increases in giving by those people, even though we really didn't even talk a whole lot about that. We think that it's important that what we do helps them feel like they have special access, which they do. We're inviting our table hosts and our key people. There's going to be a time for questions at the end. So we're going to do a little bit of an update on kind of here's what's happening. Here's the behind the scenes story. Here's all that kind of to make sure that we don't wait another six months before we have that dinner or that lunch. But we want to make sure they feel real interaction and real ability to ask their questions and to see and kind of be a part of it. So that's all we know at this point. We're going to do something close to what we did last time. It's just got to be a little bit on a bigger scale. And then we're going to learn as we do it. That's sort of the one positive thing is, I think right now, is I think most people have a little more flexibility now where they're not rushing from a plane to a plane to do this and that. If they're business leaders, they actually might have the ability to join your summit or join your online, whatever you're doing. So I think people's schedules are a little more free than normal. And so we're hoping that that'll actually redound to our benefit in some way. Yeah. And that's great. And especially where you can try it, maybe a small version of it first, test run it, and then you do a bigger one and kind of work out all the kinks. That's such a great idea of just moving forward. And for people just to give context, you mentioned the table host. The way First Liberty does events is you have a table host who brings in other prospective donors to the event and fills the table. So these are existing supporters that you'd be bringing in on this call. Is that correct? Yeah, it's free. It's like everybody comes for free and our table hosts are people we pick who are our current people who really believe in the mission and that can invite the right types of people. And then they fill their table with people they think would be really interested. And we grow that way a lot. It's a real easy way for people to sort of get a chance to decide whether they're in with us or not. It's not a heavy pressure. It's not, it's just a come watch, see what's going on and say, are you excited about this? We just did this right before everything got shut down. We had a big event in California, almost 600 people there. And it was like two days after that, they shut down the whole, the whole <laughs> state. So we had a great response and people were really excited about what was going on. And I think half of the gifts at that event 
where half of the major donor gifts at that event were brand new major donors. So it was a great, great result. Yeah. So even everything already going on at that point, people were still open to giving and excited about the work you're doing. For people who are listening, who want to learn more about how you do events, episode four of the podcast, Kelly was on one of our very first episodes and went goes into a lot of detail on specifically how they design these events. And it's really, it's worth a listen and very innovative how they go about it. Just thinking back to these other big shocks like 9-11, the financial crisis, these things that you've gone through as a leader, what do you see as different this time? Or what are you doing differently that you learned from those big events of the last two decades? Well, again, the thing that's not different is we just kind of move along and try to be consistent and try to speak truthfully to our donors and just continue with the mission. I think that's really important long term because a lot of these things, they work their way out. The economy is going to come back. This is temporary. I think it's even more so though than this one. Usually in the past, we're looking at things that we didn't know how long they're going to last, right? I mean, they're pretty major hits. They might be things that last in the economy for a long time, whereas I think most people realize this is it's not an economic cause situation. It was caused by the virus. And so it's going to turn back as soon as the virus is, it runs its course. The economy will probably start back up again. So I think it's more of a, instead of a long-term thing that you look at, it's more of a, there's going to be a short-term blip. What do we do to prepare ourselves when it comes roaring back? And what do we do to keep ourselves consistent? through this time. Obviously, what you wouldn't want to do is because you're scared or something, rush out and try to see how much money you can milk out of all your supporters. That would be the ultimate horrible thing you could do because then it's like you don't care about them and their situation and you're you're acting out of panic and you're not being consistent because that's not what you would normally do. I mean, I think that's obvious, but you're consistent, you move forward, you plan, you try to innovate for the, the time you have, which is who knows how many months, but I think it's a number of months. And you try to let people see that you're not running away, you're hiding, you're continuing with your mission, and you're keeping them in touch, and you're communicating, and you're making them feel proud to be a part of what you're doing. And for the donors that you've spoken with, do they feel the same, like this is going to be a short-term thing and things are going to probably come back because there's no like systemic issue with the economy? It's more... It's literally a shock, like almost by definition. For most, but not for everybody, because some of them, their business is just, if you're in the landlord business, you don't know what's about to happen and you're not sure how long it's going to last. Or if you're, maybe you own a bunch of restaurants. There are a lot of these that, I mean, each one is different. And some of these, obviously, what happens in the short term could have some real long-term impact on them. Overall, the economy is going to come back. And so for most people, I think they realize this is not a, a deal that's going to happen for one year, two years, five years. Like sometimes when you see a recession come or you think maybe it's even going to be a depression and that it kind of rolls in over one quarter, another quarter, another quarter, maybe a year, maybe you don't know how long it's going to go. I think people see this very differently. And so unless you're in one of those industries, it's really getting hit, which you tend to think of like the airlines, the travel business, businesses like bars and restaurants and owners of those and landlords who deal with all those, those are really dealing with something very different. Again, I think those are the kind of people that really do appreciate that you care 
what they're going through and you're praying and lifting them up and realize that they're going through a really tough time because they're having to let go maybe hundreds of employees that they love, that they've known for years. So they're going through their own personal situation. Right. And I think that's where it's so important, like acting like a partner with your donors, like they're there for you when you're growing and you're being there for them when they're going through difficult times as well. And just having that partnership relationship with them, it's not transactional in any way. You really do care about these people and want the very best for them, given the hard circumstances. No, I think that's it. And that's why it's so important, like kind of what we did to really tell them exactly what you said. You know, you've been with us. We want to be with you. What can we do for you? And maybe that's just pray for you, but we're all going to do that. We have a staff meeting. All our employees are going to be praying specifically for you and your family and your business. That means something to people. We don't say that and not do it. I mean, we mean it. To say those things is is important because then they realize they do appreciate what we've done for them, but we are in this together. Right. Like you said, it's not just words. It's not just thoughts and prayers, which you see, you know, people just saying almost as dismissively, it's the real deal. With your business model and you guys, you know, have court cases all around the country in front of the Supreme Court, you've had, obviously, a lot of those courts are shut down. The Supreme Court suspended for a little while. I assume your employees are also working remotely right now. What are you doing with your day-to-day staff to help them focus on a lot of their work they were doing today or like schedule for this week is on hold. What are you doing with them to make sure they're staying occupied beyond that discussion on innovation? Well, we have a lot of meetings and different things. Obviously, it's easy to do through Zoom and through different platforms on the computer. So we're continuing like we're in the office, but take the legal side of, we have different departments, marketing department, legal department, et cetera. But on the legal department, for instance, Again, they were challenged on day one to think outside the box and to start really coming up with new plans. And one of the things is take the cases that maybe you can't file anything new. Maybe you hadn't really gone deeply enough into that case. And now maybe it's a chance for you to have some thinking time to sit down, to analyze, to go through, to think of new strategy, to go deeper, to do that on each of the cases. So, I mean, it's even like that. But then also... There's a whole new area that's now opened up that we never see, which is we're usually not having to advise religious institutions on emergency orders and how that impacts their ministry and how far the government can go and how far they can't go and, and the type of things that they want to do. So we created a whole, I mean, in our marketing department, it already has up a new platform on our website specifically on this. We are now starting nationwide conference calls on Friday with all the religious leaders and church leaders around the country so they can hear and then they can ask questions about this. And we want to do this each week until we get to the end of this emergency situation we have in our country. We think that, number one, we serve them now. But number two, we're going to create new clients, new relationships, new people that will know that they can come to us in the future after this is all over. So that's totally new. So you see... Some of the things we're doing there is new, and some of it is maybe going deeper now that you have a little time to work on things that you're already working on. And so everybody's got plenty to do, uh, (laughs) and we're encouraging innovation for even other things if if there's something we haven't thought of. Right. Well, it sounds like you guys are prioritizing taking action first and iterating as it goes on, not letting perfect be the enemy of just getting it done. I mean, putting that sort of stuff website up and conference calls together, like that takes a lot of quick action. I think a lot of people could learn from that example of just 
go do stuff now. Don't wait for perfect timing. Don't wait for more information. Just start working. And if you find it's not quite right or not working, just iterate. One of the things we did is we sort of tried to look forward and we said, let's say, let's say this thing is going to turn around by May or June or, or whatever. And all of a sudden, everything's going to kind of come back and we're going to have the typical, what would be good? Is there a resource or is there a book or is there a, in our case, some sort of thing that we could produce while we're sort of under tow that as soon as things come back would be something that nobody else has or that would be really valuable that normally we wouldn't have time to produce it because we'd be too busy neck deep in all the cases. And there is, and we're working on that right now. We've got a few of our people that are putting that together. So just different ideas to think of in the future and now. What opportunities are now that are not going to be here in two months or three months because of what's going on? And then what opportunities can we take advantage of when things come back that we can be working on right now? So just shifting gears a little bit, the final questions, because I know time's limited. For Nonprofit leaders who are looking at this situation and maybe they have like limited cash flow, a few weeks of cash flow in the bank, what advice would you be giving them right now for managing both their team and communicating with their donors where things might look a lot more bleak for them from their standpoint today? Assuming that they're getting lower on cash flow and all that, you've got to be able to keep the doors open. Obviously, you do whatever you can to make sure that you might have to reanalyze what you're spending money on. Maybe people, executives at the top level, you know, maybe it's a smaller group, it's only one or two people. Maybe people have to take some pay cuts in the short term until you get through the crisis. You do what you can on the expense side. And then obviously, if you've got a board, this is the time for the board to really step in and help save the organization. If they really, that should be the people who are most committed to the mission of what you're doing and want to see the organization continue. And if, if it deserves to continue, then certainly you would think it would deserve the board to kick in some resources to allow it to go through what might be a two or three month blip. The other thing is you've got to communicate with your staff. You can't keep them into the dark about what's going on. You need to come up with a plan and then be real open with them so that they're not scared and fearful and panicked and everything else. You just need to say, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're all pulling together. Here's how the board's pulling together. Or maybe there's a key donor that has a passion for helping. But I would just say you cut costs first because you got to show that you're willing to do. And then you you do what you can to, to get through these rough months and on further after that. Right. I think that's such good advice. And the whole, the idea of staying optimistic, though, that this is probably a short-term experience and we're going to get through on the other side, but making sure you're keeping that morale high and people aligned on your mission while all of this is going on. So as a final question, Kelly, this podcast, we always try to have people take action when they listen to it, have something that they can immediately go do after listening. And one of the things I really appreciate talking with you is you're always so positive and always look at the opportunity and not all the bad things that people could be focused on today. You guys always focus on the opportunity and where we could go and where your organization could grow to. What would you recommend nonprofit leaders do today after listening to this episode with you? Obviously, if they're people of faith, I would say pray. Pray for wisdom, pray for guidance, pray for innovation. But then 
that's the key. I'd say if you're the leader, it's time to, to think outside the box. I mean, this is a different time. You probably will never have a time like this again. So what can you do differently right now and over the next few months? And maybe it's not just you. Maybe you grab a couple of people in the organization to help you brainstorm through that and try to take advantage of the unique opportunity you have now to do things differently and do your best to get through it. And then again, all the while, be very consistent with your mission and very sincere with your supporters. And I think they'll respect that. But I'd say, yeah, think outside the box because this, this is probably going to eventually go away. So you need to think differently for now so that you can do whatever you need to do now because you, you already know what to do when it comes back to normal. You might find some new things. One last story I'll give you is another example is one time there was a, a metro line that went out of service. When it went out of service, people had to figure out a different way to get to work. What happened is a number of people, when the line got well, never went back to the line because they actually found better ways that actually maybe got them there quicker or gave them more flexibility or whatever. And so you might find those types of things if you try some things right now. It's a chance for you to do that in a unique time. And then maybe some of these things will be things that will help you long term. Right. I think that's such great advice. Well, I really appreciate you, Kelly, taking the time to be on the show, especially with everything going on. And thanks for so much great wisdom and advice. Happy to do it. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Seven Figure Fundraising and our training, visit sevenfigurefundraising.com. Finally, if there's one person you know would benefit from hearing this episode, please take a minute and share it with them. Thanks. Thanks.